Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another mailbag edition of the Pens Cast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me is contributing writer over at pensburg.com and co-host of the Pens Cast and the Pens Cast mailbag. It is Robbie Noggle. Robbie, a- after the news of last Friday came out that the Penguins had parted ways with general manager Ron Hextall, I had a feeling that we were going to be in for something of an entertaining mailbag, and my suspicions were confirmed as I was uh, crafting the outline Sunday night for uh, tonight's recording. We have 17 questions in this week's mailbag, probably by far the biggest mailbag we have ever done. Uh, if you would like to contribute to future editions of the Penscast mailbag, you can do so by following our Twitter account at PenguinsFFSN to get notified whenever we send out a mailbag tweet to ask for your participation in these mailbag episodes. But without further ado, because we have 17 questions, we are going to kick things off right here and right now with Brendan who, as I was looking last night, changed his username to Depressed Penguin, but Brendan has asked questions on this podcast before. So Brendan gets question number one. Question number one goes to you, Robbie. What are your thoughts on Kate Madigan, who is the current assistant general manager for the New Jersey Devils? What are your thoughts on her potentially taking over the general manager position for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, personally, I think that everything's on the table right now, and there's been names tossed around the past few weeks. She is not one, uh, a name that I've not heard much about, but I mean, you've heard uh, all the names out there, and I think that, given her background, I did some research on her, what seems to be the direction that Fanway Sports Group is taking going forward, uh, she's going to be one of the names on the table. New Jersey is a, I guess, what they would call a forward-thinking organization. They employ Tyler Dello, who used to write for The Athletic, but he kind of got his start doing just analytics on Twitter. Uh, So him being a part of that organization just shows you what kind of organization it is. You see the teams they've built. Uh, Surely they've benefited from high draft picks, obviously, but 
they built around those high draft picks with very good players and players that kind of fit the bill of what the Penguins want to do. So uh, obviously as an assistant general manager in New Jersey, she's a part of that process. So I think she's going to be on the list. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of names on this list. Uh, again, if you've been paying attention since Friday, you probably heard some of the names, but she, given her reputation and uh, the way she views the game, uh, she's going to be on that list along with uh, a bunch of other women as well uh, to go along with uh, some of the other names that have already been tossed out there. So uh, given uh, what we know about her and uh, given the organization that she's currently working with and their kind of outlook and procedure of how they build their team, I don't see why she would not be a very strong candidate for the position since Fenway Sports Group has been pretty much very open about the direction that they're willing to go here uh, throughout the general manager shirt. Uh, question number two, again from Brendan. Uh, who are you most eyeing uh, for at the 14th pick of the upcoming NHL draft? Here's an interesting scenario. Given that the Penguins are very, well, I think it's impossible at this point that, that the Penguins could uh, get the Connor Bedard and, and pick number one overall, would, would you consider trading that 14th pick perhaps for more immediate assets, assets, players that could help right now instead of drafting another Owen Pickering who likely will be in the NHL for at least two or three or four more seasons. If you'd like to try and maximize what you have left with Crosby and Malkin, maybe shift out that first round pick for uh, maybe a, a player who's at a contract impasse with a, with a team, who, whomever, whomever it may be, that we have time to discuss who's going to be on those free agent lists and whatnot. But if you're going to keep the 14th pick, there was a player that caught my eye. He is a centerman, forward Braden Yeager, currently playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL. Uh, he's a top prospect ranked by Elite Prospects, number 10, in the consolidated ranking, he's ranked number the 20th best prospect by elite prospects, uh, number 17th best prospect by Daily Faceoff, number 10 by the Hockey News. TSN's Bob McKenzie has him ranked at number 7. McKean's has him at number 13. Craig Button has him at number 12. So he's in that range that the Penguins will likely be picking if they decide to keep their 14th overall pick. Assuming that they do pick 14th, we will know for sure when the draft lottery is held. But I think if they do keep the pick, I'd like to address the forward depth. They went with Owen Pickering last season, and he looks to be progressing quite well throughout his junior career. He even had a little bit of a glimpse with the AHL's Penguins uh, at the tail end of the 2022-23 season. So they keep this pick, go with a forward, perhaps one who can help you in the not-so-distant future in, in Braden Yeager. But, I mean, there are tons of prospects who are in that sort of 10 to 20 range. The next general manager and the scouting department may look at and say, we, we like this guy and we think he can be a contributor in the not-so-distant future. Question number three comes from Jackson Hollister. Do you want the Penguins? Now we'll go to the flip side of this conversation. Robbie, would you like the Penguins to trade the 14th pick or would you rather them make a selection with that draft pick? I really think it all depends on where that draft pick ends up because they can go as high as fourth, they can rise 10 spots. And when you're into the into that range, given the depth of this draft, you have a potential franchise player uh, sitting there given uh, what all the uh, scouts are kind of saying about 
um, just how deep this draft is, especially at the very top. So, I mean, if that's a, if that if you get lucky and end up picking fourth, I, I think you'd have to make a pick unless there'd be some kind of trade that would completely blow you away. And in that case, you'd be talking about guys that aren't just going to help two to three years from now. You're talking about guys who are going to help beginning in October when they the next season begins. And the guys that prospects that are at the top of this draft are okay, a few years away, but they're your future. They are not just transition players from Crosby to the next era. They are the next era. So I really think it all depends on what happens in that draft lottery. If it's a top five pick, I think you make the pick, no doubt. Uh, If you're down in 14th where you finished, okay, then you see what's available trade-wise maybe if somebody comes calling. I don't expect the Penguins to do absolutely anything before a new general manager is hired which I think everybody knows that. If it's a top five pick, I think you got to make a pick. There's too much talent at the top of this draft. You're at that point now where, okay, if you draft a guy that's two, three years away, that's fine, but he's potentially the, the next franchise cornerstone. So you, you, you have to take all that in, into consideration. And, yeah, if it's top five, I'm making the pick. If it's lower than that, I think you could go either way. It's a toss-up depending on if someone comes to you with a trade that you don't think you can refuse and it's more it's more valuable to you than, let's say, a mid-first-round pick. So that, those are all options that need to be weighed. But for me, it really depends on where that pick is cemented once the draft lottery is held. Question number four comes from Noah Jordan. What is the single worst move of the Hextall era? I'd go with giving away now 40-goal scorer Jared McCann presumably to unnecessarily protect Jeff Carter in the expansion draft. So my cop-out answer would have been agreeing with Noah and seeing the success that Jared McCann has had as uh, a new member of the Seattle Kraken. Now the Kraken are in the postseason, in the second year of existence as an NHL franchise. Imagine the imagine a lot of the conversations that we wouldn't have had to have this season had Jared McCann been on this roster, you probably could have moved Jeff Carter to the fourth line permanently, perhaps as a right wing, and kept Jared McCann in the third line center role. However, uh, in order to not just cop out and agree with Noah here, I'll argue that the worst move of the Hextall era was his final move and basically saddling the Penguins with Mikael Granlin, who we are going to talk about here momentarily with another question. But as things stand, Granlin has five has a $5 million cap hit for two years left after this season just concluded. So uh, if the Penguins don't look to get out from under Granlin's contract, you, you could make the argument, I absolutely agree with Noah, that trading away McCann was, you could make the argument that was the biggest sin that he committed. However, his final move, letting Granlin basically come here, he really didn't do anything in his short tenure here. Uh, and now... Being saddled with that contract, it's definitely going to loom large whenever the next general manager gets here for the Penguins. Question number five also comes from Noah Jordan. How much grief should we give Jim Rutherford for the current state of affairs? Minnesota Wild's current goalie tandem could be the Penguins, if not for his miscues. It pales in comparison to what Ron Hextall did, completely botching that job. But it seems like we shouldn't let Jim Rutherford off the hook. I certainly think there's some blame. Um, again, you get back to the Flurry Murray thing. It's really hard to 
to blame how that all came out just because of, I mean, you would think coming off two consecutive Stanley Cups, Matt Murray was the cheaper, younger option. He was the main goalie during those two runs. The flurry thing, hindsight, yeah. I see where you can argue it, but at, there's obviously moves. The Ryan Reef trade, I don't want to say it affected them forever, but you never know what Oscar Sundquist turns into. He got, he definitely got the Penguins away from that speed game, speed possession game that led them to Stanley Cup because he got the whole Tom Wilson thing so far stuck inside his head that he couldn't get it out, and it, he felt like he needed an answer to that, and it kind of threw everything for a loop. Him just straight up piecing out of the job was definitely not ideal uh, in any way, especially since it may have cost them being able to hold on to uh, a guy like Bill Guerin, uh, who was an assistant general manager and could have been and may have been the top candidate to replace him. And you see what he's done in Minnesota, building that team, getting Kirill Kaprizov to uh, stay long term and just building a very, very good hockey team uh, in the Twin Cities. So, yeah, I mean, I think some is is on Jim Rutherford, but in no way should take away the bl- any blame uh, from this last regime with Ron Hexon and Brian Burke. They deserve the most blame, and I think everyone is completely fine giving them the most blame. There's things that obviously could be different if Rutherford would have maybe just stepped down after uh, the 2020 season and kind of let that transition play out a little smoother rather than just up and resigning. The goaltending stuff, it's hard to argue that they made the wrong decision there given the information they had at the time. Uh, But obviously some things that happened during his regime have pushed the Penguins to where they are now, but all the blame for missing the playoffs this season and kind of the downhill slide they've been on since the last two years falls on the shoulders of Ron Hextall. Uh, Question number six comes from Snail. Mark Friedman brings jam and speed and can move the puck. He also appears very competitive on the ice. I think he's worth the patience and roster spot to develop his game. Would you agree? And what are your thoughts on Friedman? I think Friedman's ceiling is probably maybe your sixth best defenseman. Ideally, on a perfect roster, he'd be the seventh defenseman. There's a possibility that the Penguins could part ways with Chad Ruedel. Uh Ruedel didn't really look all that great in his limited playing time down the stretch. And and talking about Friedman, he he signed through the end of next season at uh, just a cap hit of seven hundred seventy five thousand. So uh, he is certainly uh, certainly capable of filling in in a spot. But like Snail mentioned, I mean he he has that grit. He can draw penalties. He's able to move the puck. Although I don't know if I would be trusting him over the co- full course of an eighty two game season. Uh, however, that's not to say that he doesn't bring a skill set and he doesn't bring value to this roster. I just think his his value is maybe a little bit less than that of an everyday defenseman. So if, if he can continue to stay in that sixth slash seventh position on the depth chart, I would be more than content having Friedman, a right-handed shot who, like Snail said, has speed, can move the puck, has some feistiness to his game. He's, he isn't afraid to drop the gloves with anybody on the opposing team. So absolutely would not be... I would not be opposed at all to Friedman maintaining his roster spot with the NHL Penguins. Question number seven also comes from Snail. Where are you guys on bringing back Jason Zucker? He brought what the Pens needed all season long, but was historically labeled as injury-prone. 
if the Penguins could upgrade at the, their second line left wing position in the offseason, I wonder if Zucker would settle for a reduced role with potentially third line minutes and a role on the second power play unit. As everything stands right now, I'm pro bringing Jason Zucker back with the caveat of not too long of term and at the right price. He stated his desire in his locker clean-out interview to remain in Pittsburgh um, going forward. Uh, so he kind of put that that marker down. Again, means nothing, really, if nothing gets worked out. But there's definitely uh, the Penguins are maybe have a foot in the door as compared to other teams. Um, obviously, he's from Minnesota, but I don't see that. After you get traded, you usually don't go back to uh, the team that traded you. But it's been long enough. Maybe Minnesota can make a run if they can make the money work. Reduced role. I like him on the second. I like him in that. That again, the top six is not the issue this year. And I think if you can keep that top six together, that's what you do uh, as much as possible. Again, if Zucker prices himself out of Pittsburgh, that's nothing you can really you can really control. And you don't want to. I don't think you want to give him a four or five year deal either. If you can get him for two or three years at a very fair market value, completely different story then. But I think you do everything you can to bring back that top six as intact as possible, given uh, what they did for you this year. And again, Zucker, yeah, historically injury prone, had some rotten luck pretty much his first, what, two and a half, three years in Pittsburgh. Uh, and this year, outside of a small stretch, was healthy the whole entire year and was one of, if not the Penguins' most important forward uh, on the roster this year. So, yeah, if you can get the right price and the right term, I'm all pro bringing Jason Zucker back. He just he kind of earned that deal. Um, he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, and again, that top six was not at all the problem. So if you can keep that intact, you might as well do that and focus all your all your attention on uh, fixing that bottom six and uh, the blue line and goaltending situation. Uh, question number eight again from Snail: Do you think Petrie is someone the Pen should move forward with? In Latang's absence, he can be helpful offensively in theory. We saw very little consistent impact from him. The age and contract scare me a bit. He is notorious for bad habits. Do you buy him out? A deal sweetener to send him off. Jeff Petrie is an interesting case because, like Snail mentioned, I thought acquiring Jeff Petrie last offseason was going to be great. On paper, I was like, yes, this the Penguins' top four could be Absolutely fantastic. Another right-handed off to go on the power play along with Tang. So I, I was like, yes, this is going to be great. Even if Petrie is a little bit older and he has a contract that isn't the most appealing thing in the world. However, like Snail mentioned, I didn't think he was all too consistent. I mean, looking at some of his possession metrics, they were okay. He was bordering around the 50% mark in terms of Corsi 4 percentage and Fenwick 4 percentage. Looking at some of his more traditional statistics, Five goals, twenty-six assists, thirty-one points. It was, it was a, it was really, could best be described as a meh season. Uh, not too great, not too bad. I am concerned too, like what Snail mentioned regarding Petrie's contract and for the length and term that is left here. I, I don't think Petrie is a candidate for a buyout, at least not this upcoming season. We will talk about buyouts here momentarily. Uh, but I think Petrie is probably going to stay with the Penguins through next season as well. Unless unless a team comes knocking for Jeff Petrie, which, which at that contract and age, 
I'm not so sure that's going to happen. So I would imagine Petrie is with the Penguins heading into 2023-24. And the most you can hope with now, even at age 35, 36, is maybe he can have a little bit of a rebound season. But uh, again, it's another one of those Ron Hextall moves that have sort of handicapped the Penguins into the position they are now. And I will not envy the next general manager that comes in here and tries to everything and undo just about everything that Ron Hextall did. Uh, certainly not a position I would want to be in in that regard. Question number nine comes from Brian. Are you as stuck between a rock and a hard place as I am with Brian Dumoulin? I think it would be a mistake to re-sign him, but I also don't want to see him in another uniform. Uh, no, I'm not really stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, in, in terms of bringing him back or letting him go, everybody kind of sees the writing on the wall that Dumo's done in Pittsburgh. A very important part of this era of Penguins hockey, no doubt. One of the best defensive defensemen when uh, at his peak. But I think you've seen the last two years, it's not injuries or anything like that. It's just a backslide in his ability. And again, that's nothing against Dumo. He age does that to a player. Not everybody can uh, age gracefully like Sidney Crosby or Malkin or Latang or anything like that. And yeah, it would suck to see him playing in a foreign jersey, but that's a matter of business. And it's just, yeah, I don't see, especially if the Penguins go with uh, the forward thinking front office like is being rumored. I, I just don't see where he fits into the equation given. Uh, his style of play, uh, and really his skill level at this point, because it's just not uh, up to uh, the standard the Penguins need. I understand that Chris Letang loves playing with him and wants to see him back, but I think, in a way, Letang can't just come out uh, on locker room clean out there and say that he's had fun playing with him, but it's time to move on. That's not uh, Chris Letang is not going to do that to a guy that's been uh, his blue-line partner for the better part of six or seven years at this point, uh, maybe even longer than that if we go back and look. But Dumo did so much for the Penguins. He was considered a throw-in of the Jordan Stahl trade, and it just all good things must come to an end. He'll be remembered in Pittsburgh forever. He'll get a nice, uh, once he leaves and signs somewhere else in the offseason, he'll get a, a great uh, video tribute and I'm sure a standing ovation when he comes back to Pittsburgh for the first time. So, um, it, it's business and it sucks to see a guy like Dumoulin leave, but that's the nature of the game. And um, I think that Brian Dumoulin's time in Pittsburgh is coming to an end and I'm fine with it from a improving the team aspect uh, going forward. Oh, question number 10 uh, again from Brian. What's the first move you think the new GM should make? Uh, uh, first move, uh, what, yeah, get rid of Mikhail Granlin, maybe. And I, I know we'll talk about Granlin again in a couple minutes here with another question. Uh, get rid of Mikhail Granlin, maybe talk Jeff Carter into retirement, uh, find a suitable goaltender to either replace and or back up Tristan Jari. Basically you have to fix the bottom six. You have to fix the goaltending. You have to fix a lot of things if you're the new general manager of this team. So like I said in the previous question, I do not envy the next general manager coming in here and sort of cleaning up the mess that Ron Hextall made. So for a more generalized answer before we get into specific players like Granlin, I'll say fix the bottom six, 
fix the goaltending, and <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. And uh, we'll see as the weeks and months go on uh, if the new general manager can do just that and see if we can turn the Penguins back into playoff contenders. Question number 11 also comes from Brian. What Mario Lemieux has done for this organization is unmatched, and he deserves his time on the golf course. Would you like to see him around and be involved more frequently? I can only see good things coming from something like this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any downside, really, to having literally the face of the entire franchise for pretty much the last almost 40 years as anything as a negative. Having Mario around, obviously he's not the majority owner anymore. He still has minority stake. So that way the decisions are kind of out of his hand. But even during the FSG press conference last Friday, they even said they'd love to have Mario around more and have him involved in the decision-making process. Again, Mario, he probably needed it a year away. I mean, I don't blame him for that. He's been doing this it, with the Penguins in some form or fashion basically his entire adult life, literally almost his entire adult life. And that was playing for them, owning them, playing and owning them, five Stanley Cup rings. I mean, he's given everything to the Penguins, and you can't you can't fault him for wanting to step back and uh, enjoy some uh, enjoy some of this retirement. Uh, that he's had, and I mean, he, I mean, he's he went right from playing to owning, basically, and then it's just been a pretty much nonstop hockey-wise for him since he was at least at the, on the professional level since he was 18. Uh, so I don't blame him for wanting to take a step back, have a breather, enjoy the golf, spend time with family. So, so he's it's it's all well earned uh, from that aspect for Mario Lemieux, and in terms of him being more present. I absolutely think it's a good thing. It's great for the I mean it's great for the the young players. Obviously, the big 3 have much respect for him. Uh especially Crosby, everybody knows the stories about Crosby living with him um in his early days as an NHL player in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, yeah, I don't really see any downside to Mario being around more and hopefully we'll see more of that next season. Uh question number 12, uh Brian once again. Uh, do you think a Granlin buyout is the proper course of action uh, to take uh, to correct the, mis- the mistakes of the past management? The last question I answered uh, for Brian, when it was more generalized and talking about what the first thing the new general manager should do, uh, the potential buyout for Mikhail Granlin is something that has certainly been gaining more steam on social media. Uh, and it's, it's strange because anyone certainly – they're, they're not one to proactively use the buyout option. I don't think really a lot of teams around the league are really in favor of doing that to the player. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, the Jack Johnson buyout under the Jim Rutherford regime is one of the more notable and certainly the recent buyout. However, looking at Mikael Grand specifically, I would not be opposed to this. I would actually be in favor of it. Even if the salary cap is going up by $1 million dollars, uh, for the 2023-24 season, eventually that salary cap is going to skyrocket. So with the salary cap continuing to increase and go up and up and up, this is a buyout that I would actually entertain. So Mikhail Granlin has two years left on his contract at a cap hit of $5 million. So that means the buyout would be over the span of four seasons, and it would cost the Penguins approximately $7.3 million and save them approximately $3.6 million. Looking at a more detailed breakdown, thanks to Cap Friendly, Granlin would have a cap hit of, if he's 
out on June 15, 2023. He will have a cap hit of just 833000 uh, this upcoming season, his cap hit would balloon to 1.8 uh, 1.8 million for the following three seasons. So again, you're saving about 3.6 million. You're getting out from underneath the Grandland contract and the player himself, even if you're going to be attached to that contract for four more seasons. As the salary cap continues to go up, I think it's going to be less and less of an issue. If you can get out from under the contract through a buyout, even if you're going to pay for it perhaps four years down the road, I don't think the Penguins are going to be uber competitive four years from now anyway. Uh, if we're if we're talking about how much longer the, the big three are going to play in the championship window, if this buyout is going to go over the span of four seasons, it's not something that I would be concerned about, especially if you're going to try and maximize what time you have left with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. Question number 13 comes from Brian. With Tristan Jari playing hurt all season, as he alluded to in his locker cleanout interview, how could this front office not have traded for a goalie at the trade deadline? And that 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 is something I completely agree with, Brian. So, Robbie, how did Ron Hextall, a former goalie, not go and acquire goalie help if Jari was injured? Yeah, when that story came out, or that was revealed by Tristan Jari, I think it just kind of was a perfect encapsulation of the incompetence of this front office. To know that, I mean, it wasn't like it was a secret in the in in the Penguins' inner circles. Everybody knew he was playing hurt. Uh, Tristan Jari wasn't going to lie about that. He had nothing to gain by going to his interview and saying that uh, he was actually hurt the entire time. He gains nothing from that. To know that and to not... And it wasn't even a hit. There were no even rumors of the Penguins possibly looking for a goaltender. It was just completely overlooked or just brushed to the side, whatever it was. And it just pretty much puts a bow on just how badly they were run these last few years that you knew what the issue was. You knew that your starting goaltender was injured badly at, at times, playing through it, struggling and doing nothing and you know your backup okay Casey Smith has the experience he can step in and be a starter but do you want your backup then to be a guy that's bounced between the AHL and the NHL his entire career we did this last year with Louis Domingue there's no reason that nothing was done out other than just pure incompetence on the part of Ron Hexon Brian Burke it just it ca- perfectly encapsulates how bad they were at their jobs, how much they were not paying attention or giving lack of attention of the actual needs of this team. And it just it's maddening now to hear the goaltender say that, that he was sacrificing his body and his overall health in a contract year to play for the team, to sacrifice himself and play poorly, which it could very well affect how his career moves forward, whether it's in Pittsburgh or out of Pittsburgh. Uh, given his performance this year, uh, and the front office did absolutely nothing to help him or the team, complete mismanagement on the front office's part. Uh, question number 14, again from Brian. Uh, what's on your Mount Rushmore sports movies? These four are the only four sports-oriented you can watch for the rest of your life. It's tough, but for Brian, he goes with Miracle, Remember the Titans, Happy Gilmore, uh, and The Sandlot. So the the top four sports-oriented movies that I can only watch for the rest of my life. While I was looking 
looking and trying to remember all the sport movies that I've watched throughout my life so far. And Happy Gilmore is definitely going to be on my Mount Rushmore along with what Brian said. I have two other, I have two baseball movies, Happy Gilmore and a boxing movie. So like I mentioned, Happy Gilmore, I can put that on and watch it and laugh hysterically. I think late 90s, early 2000s, Adam Sandler is like one of the funniest things out there. Uh, And, you know, his career, Sandler's career kind of tailed off and then he sort of revived it more recently with uncut gems and a, a lot more dramatic roles. But Happy Gilmore is prime comedy and sport for me. I'll go with Bull Durham and Major League as the two okay. uh, the two baseball movies that I'll throw on my Mount, Mount Rushmore. I don't know how much flack I'd get for this. I think Rocky is probably the the greatest sports movie of all time. See the Rocky the Rocky sequels. I think they progressively got worse and worse and worse. I don't think that's a hot take. However. I think Rocky, I can watch Rocky 1 through 3 and not really have an issue with any of them, but I'll go with the OG Rocky, uh, Bull Durham, and Major League, two really good baseball movies, in my opinion, and Happy Gilmore. Uh, Robbie, I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to contribute to this conversation, since I know originally wasn't your question, but uh, I figured it was a fun one. If you have any movies off the top of your heads that you would include on your Mount Rushmore of sports movies. Yeah, I, I have Miracle. I got to agree with uh, Brian here. Miracle would be on mine. Yeah, there's so many really good sports movies. Uh, as a baseball fan, I'd probably, man, Sandlot really sticks out to me too, but I'd probably have to put Field of Dreams on there. I know it's pretty cliche from a, uh, as a sports movie, but um, and I think it has to be on there. It's one of the, it, it's pretty much a pre preeminent sports movie. I think everybody references as one of the best. Remember the Titans is also uh, an excellent choice as well. As for, I mean, there's so many good good choices out there. Uh, I think baseball is one uh, sport that translates very well to uh, kind of the romance of uh, of movies. So there's a whole bunch of uh, baseball ones I could choose. You mentioned Bull Durham, which uh, is a fantastic choice. Um but definitely Miracle, Remember the Titans, and Field of Dreams would have to be on there. And the fourth one I can't really pick at the moment because I feel like I, I would change my mind too much um, off the top of my head. All right, yeah, I kind of put you on the spot there. So I have a similar vibe with Brian, so I like, I like it a lot. I know you're a big baseball guy, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the Mount Rushmore talk right there. We'll move on to Brian again, question number 15. Brian says he's liking the smoke around a potential Kyle Dubas move to Pittsburgh as the next general manager, but he's also very intrigued with Sam Ventura and Eric Tulski. If these are the three main targets for the Penguins general manager hunt, and like you said, Robbie, earlier, I think this is going to be a very expansive search. If these are the three main targets, which of these three would get your your first vote as the next general manager? My first vote would be uh, Eric Tolsky uh, from Carolina. I think he has the assistant general manager role. Not convinced that Dubas is done in Toronto. Um, and I'm not, I, I think that Tolsky, even if Dubas would leave Toronto, would still be my number one. Uh, I like Sam too. I think uh, if you're familiar with Sam on Twitter before he became uh, a front office mainstay in the NHL, you know that he's a very intelligent individual. Uh, very well liked, very well respected uh, among the Penguins community. A two-time Stanley Cup champion in Pittsburgh uh, when he was in their front office. Uh, but Tolsky, 
everybody is kind of hedging bets on Eric Tolsky. Uh, he has the the pedigree. He has the knowledge. He has more experience than Sam. And again, if they're looking for a guy that has never been in this role before, I think Tolsky is the guy you go with. If Sam would want to come as an assistant general manager, if they would have room for that, then I think that that's absolutely something you do. But um, I, I, I lean toward Tolsky. He got the Jesse Marshall seal of approval today on Twitter. Uh, so, and his name's been bouncing around uh, with pretty much everybody that's been kind of uh, mentioning potential candidates. So I'm going with Tolsky if I had to pick one of those three. And I think he's going to be on a very high priority to get interviewed as soon as possible with Fenway Sports Group in this GM search. Question number 16 uh, from Brian. Will Hooks Orpic ever make a reappearance on this show? Uh, Hooks Hooks Orpic has become the the mythical figure. Did did Hooks Orpic ever really exist is is the question we should be asking ourselves. But, uh, Abby, even before you came along, it was was me and Hooks trying to get this thing off the ground. And uh, to Hooks' credit, he said he wanted to take a step back from podcasting and some of the responsibilities that came with that and focus more on the uh, digital content at, at on the Pennsburg website. So I couldn't fault him for that, obviously. Uh, that's where you came in, Robbie, and you decided to take over that mantle. But as I was looking at this question, I thought, we should we should probably try and see if he if if hooks could come on sometime during the summer and just have like the three of us have like a round table fireside kind of chat about the penguins. Uh, maybe by the time we, we we put these wheels in motion, the Penguins will have a new general manager. Maybe we'll do it in July when free agency and the draft are under, underway and over, and we can talk about what's going on and maybe give some early predictions uh, talking about the 2023-24 Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think, yes, Hooks Orpik coming back to the podcast that he he helped create alongside me. It's definitely in the cards and I think uh, I, I think maybe this summer there's going to be a time where myself, Robbie, and Hooks will get together, uh, th- the three guys connected with Pennsburg right now, and we'll get together, we'll talk some hockey later on this summer, and we'll see what happens with that. So, Brian, if, if Hooks listens to this podcast, I'm not sure if he, if he does or not, but I'll have to let him know that his name was brought up in, in the mailbag, so that, that could be enough to get him back on the podcast for another episode or two. All right, Robbie, Uh, this is question number 17. We're ending it with Brian. And Brian quite simply just wants to reiterate one single point again, speak it into existence. He wants Jordan Stahl to come back home, re-sign with the Penguins. Brian wants to bring the lost son back into Steel City. Robbie, are are you still on the Jordan Stahl train or did you get off at, at the last train station? If your options are for a third center, Jeff Carter or Jordan Stahl, I'm going to take Jordan Stahl. If your options for a third line center are a dead raccoon and Jeff Carter, I'm taking the dead raccoon. So you can take that however you wish. I know that's maybe not the most ringing endorsement of Jordan Stahl, but if we're looking at what is currently on the roster and what may be available come free agency then I'm going to take the alternative to Jeff Carter. Maybe it is that guy that used to drum on five-gallon buckets outside of the Mellon Arena back when that existed. I will take him as a third-line center over Jeff Carter. 
I will take Nikita Malkin as a third line center over Jeff Carter. So if it's Jordan Stahl over Jeff Carter, I'm going with Jordan Stahl. Again, obviously a lot of money money has to be discussed, term has to be discussed. Does Jordan Stahl even want to come back to Pittsburgh? Uh, it would be absolutely hilarious to see him uh, come back to Pittsburgh and kind of uh, get the whole gang back together. Uh, I mean, he for the longest time, he was like the fourth guy of this of this generation. Everybody thought he'd be here uh, much longer than he was, but uh, for obvious reasons, I think for his own um, career, he made the right decision to leave Pittsburgh uh, to take a shot uh, elsewhere. He got to play with his brother, uh, and he was never going to be anything more than uh, a 3C here in Pittsburgh, and he kind of uh, found his footing in Carolina, and remarkably, that ginormous contract is now up. And he will be back on the market. So if the Penguins decide to go that way, I, I think it's something that will make a lot of uh, Penguins fans happy because I think he saw something uh, left to give. We'll see how that all plays out. But if my options are player A over Jeff Carter, I'm picking player A. So with that, we will end the latest edition of the Penscast Mailbag, and we will continue to speak it into existence to bring the one and only Jordan Stahl back home to Pittsburgh. Uh, 17 questions. I knew this was going to be a big mailbag, like I mentioned at the top of the show, given the uh, firing of Bob Hextall and Brian Burke, and I can't thank everyone enough. Even though we, we got through 17 questions, I can't thank everyone enough for submitting questions, filling out the mailbag this week, and continuously coming back uh, to week in and week out and helping us create uh, the mailbag edition of the Pens cast. So uh, for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens cast mailbag. And we will talk to all of you again this time next week. <laughs>